Welcome to Democracy at Work, a podcast series created by McMaster's Pulsei students. I'm your host, Anoyo Abonu. Who works behind the scenes to help our democracy function? Our class is set out to find that out. From organizing elections to tackling misinformation, we're talking to real people with paying careers in the exciting field of democracy and elections and asking them, what is it like? Take a listen and maybe you can help democracy find a great McMaster mind. Hello listeners, our names are Leanne and Taryn, and today we have a very special guest joining us, Alex Stover. Alex Stover has professional experience in areas related to elections and democracy within Canada. Today, we were interviewing him to delve into the complexities of electoral finance. We will be asking him about his work experiences, how elections operate in Canada, and how democracy and trust is integral to maintaining the trust of civilians within Canada. Certain topics we will be covering will be surrounding finance audits, technological advancements, and election finance. Today's episode is one that we feel is greatly important since it discusses jobs within election and democracy. We feel these jobs deserve more recognition since they're critical to our electoral system and the way democracy is ensured within Canada. Alex unpacks the challenges, importance, and complexities of his career and elections. We hope the insight Alex gives deepens your understanding of Canada's electoral system. And if you're new to the world of elections and democracy, then welcome. This episode is intended for all viewers, whether you have pre-existing knowledge or not. Now, let's dive into our interview with Alex. So your career is in electoral finance. Um, how did you get into this field and why? career with intellectual finance until uh, December. I'm still in elections, but I'll uh, switch over back to operations. Um, but maybe this will give you a better answer to the question. Uh, so I've done operations since I started working in elections in 2018. I worked in municipal elections uh, with the town of Oakville in the region of Halton. And at the municipal level, you just do everything on the delivery side. When I got back into elections uh, in 2021, I loved the I love the operations side quite a bit. And so I ended up, I got lucky, frankly. Um, the internship I got with the help of McMaster, really, not to put the plug in there, but uh, I got an internship through the OLIP program, which McMaster had written a reference for. And they uh, hired me on License Ontario to work with their sort of strategic policy, corporate affairs division. Uh, and I got to know this, the chief operating officer. She was a big fan of mine and I ended up working with her. And that was a, a great way to see the entire organization. Uh, since she just manages so many people. Lessons Ontario has about 150, 200 permanent staff. And during election, they go up to about 400, 500 permanent staff. So it was a good way to see what everyone really does in election. And one of the things they never let me touch was the money. They kept all the finance people at the back of the building. And we didn't see them much. And this, will, this is some, you want to know how elections work. One of those fascinating things I learned is that while most of the organization is running around with their heads cut off trying to get everything done, the finance people are just in the back waiting because their job doesn't start until the election is over. You said what motivated you was just your interest in election. 
Uh, yeah, sort of. I did a thesis in my undergraduate degree on, um, let's say it would be like declining democratic participation, but more so sort of why uh, than just about kind of rote statistics. Um, I was curious about what to build an election, but I ended up really finding a lot of joy in, I think, hearing why other people either love or hate elections. It's really insightful. Um, what would you say a highlight of your career as um, in electoral finance has been? In electoral finance, okay. Uh, a really good one since moving to BC would have been the process by which you issue what they call administrative monetary penalties, and they sound dull, is, that, is a little more fascinating than the name suggests. So the Election Finance Act, in this case, the Local Elections Campaign Finance Act, which is what governs all local election finance, only allows for administrative monetary penalties. That isn't like a criminal charge. It doesn't get referred to the courts. It is a matter in which you have found a breach of your financing agreement, and you, as a result, need to... Um, Hey, you have to pay the people officer, or you are forbidden, or various conditions apply, one of which is you can't run in the next election for that office. So pretty severe. If you want to keep running for office, uh, you're essentially banned from being electable. Uh, but the process to get here ends up being a bit of detective work. So I personally found it quite satisfying when we would be reviewing these disclosure statements, and you'd be trying to follow the trail of the money. And, you know, I, I, like I said, I'd never touched, you know, electoral finance before. I'm not an auditor by training, but it is interesting. I understand why auditors sometimes refer to their work as detective work, because there's just all of these uh, red herrings and what ifs that you would throw up in these meetings of, well, they, uh, you know, is this an eligible loan? If someone writes themselves a check and says they have a business, is that a, is that a loan from a business or is that a loan from a person? So I'd say every time we'd have one of those, we'd all have a big roundtable discussion and we'd kind of review the evidence arrayed against someone before we'd review it for investigation. Uh, was, we're always satisfied because the amount of scenarios, in, this is a very small piece of legislation, like legislation-wise, it's maybe only a couple hundred pages long. Um, the amount of scenarios we would cook up and we would see, you, you really start to feel like you are just doing things on case law rather than precedent. Uh, but it shows how important that legislation is because you don't want to find someone who doesn't deserve it, but you do want to enforce the law. So I think those, the, the deliberation over, over penalties was always satisfying, but whether to refer it or not. What are the biggest challenges you have faced in your job so far? Yeah, uh, I think that's tied in uh, to legislation. Um, well, I got a funny one and a serious one. I don't, I don't know, I don't know how, how funny we want the interview to be, so I'll start with a serious one. I would say it's the legislation. Uh, no electoral management body writes its own legislation. Uh, across Canada, I can speak for Ontario and BC with more authority, they do refer uh, matters to the Legislative Assembly for approval, so they can make recommendations, but they can't, uh, they can't put them in place themselves. There are some exceptions once the legislation is written. Uh, we have a lot more input about what we call our regulations, which are um, supporting documents that allow us to interpret what Parliament gives us as legislation. Um, but that is where the challenges come from, because what might make our job easier um, does not necessarily it does not necessarily coincide with what what is written in law. 
Would you say that technology has improved the efficiency and effectiveness of election finance audits? Yes. So I, I won't give very many specific statistics because I don't want to misquote and I don't want to give you bad information, but this is one I can speak directly to. So uh, prior to 2022, uh, elections BC uh, was not using, um, how, how to say this, the, everything had to essentially be received either by PDF, printed to paper, uh, done on paper, rescanned, and then sent back to the participant if the corrections were needed. That is just a paper-based electoral finance system. The, the computer is merely there to receive and send emails. And a lot of that changed in the last set of elections where a variety of Excel, I guess I should say office-based programs, allowed us to review these financial statements uh, on the internet and or on the internet, on the office suite, which we use in Elections PC. And that means that you can actually collaborate on disclosure statements. It means that you can easily get uh, an actual auditor to check your work and make sure that it is correct. It makes it a lot easier to catch mistakes because computers, can, especially Excel, you can program it uh, when you know a certain cell or column doesn't equal what you want it to, it'll flag that. Do you think it has also proved um, and been used to verify the authenticity of documents provided? Mm, that, yeah, yeah, that's a big one. And I know that's like a, that's a pretty critical debate. Um, what am I allowed to say? Uh, I will just say a, a general yes, because there are manual processes that people need to agree to currently under the legislation in BC for a disclosure statement to be suggested. And this is on our website, doesn't say this. Even though we're using electric technology, you still have to give a signature on the front page of your disclosure statement. That's very helpful because um, we think that the role of technology is very important in elections and it helps like ensure, um, I guess you could say like transparency and making sure everything is the way it should be. Uh -huh. Hopefully. <laughs> yeah, that that's a, a very good point. I don't know if this is another question, but uh, there's a research paper uh, I'm happy to forward you. Um, they did in one of the U.S. elections, state election, where they were using like their tabulators, and they, there was a recap. They were essentially testing how accurate these things were. Every time one of these tabulators is used, the delta between the, what the and this is a whole bunch of questions, but just sign, I guess. The delta between the actual count and the counts that were generated when people recounted by hand, people present the tabulators, the tabulator is always more accurate. It, by like multiple points, it is always more accurate. People are not as accurate as these things. I, I've never seen any research that shows that the technology being used in Canada is less accurate. I've only seen it in French, it is more accurate, so. Um, what would you say the common challenges Election BC faces when conducting election finance audits? Yeah, um, imperfect information. Um, I'm, not, I'm not some technocrat. I don't think the world would be better if we all had chips in our head, but it would certainly be nice to have more perfect information. You can never get perfect, perfect information, but it, it would be nice just to have more complete pictures. Can you share us an example where post-audit recommendations led to meaningful changes or improvements? Yes, I'm going to look up the name of this article. I believe it was called The Wild West of Campaign Finance. Yes, this was a New York 
Times article from January 13, 2017. So if you can believe it, BC, British Columbia, had the most permissive campaign finance laws in North America. Some argued in any, anywhere west of, I think it was like in the Western world. So in the EU and North America, we had the most permissive laws. I will not say who, uh, but there were a lot of entities uh, that are now banned from providing money because they were, um, they, were not they were not legally people, if that makes sense. They were uh, corporations, LLCs. And some of the amounts of money they were giving were really eye-watering. Uh, anyone could give money, anyone. And it was a legislation recommendation from the CEO. Uh, so we, we have to change this. We have to amend the Election Finance Act to actually incorporate um, elements from Ontario, elements from other jurisdictions in Canada, elements from elections in Canada, uh, so that election finance is much more regulated. The laws were sweeping in scope uh, in 2018 when the new, uh, when the Election Act was um, revised. So that was a big recommendation, and I think it turned Elections BC from a, not just sort of a rubber stamp of compliance, but actually to a, a compliance division. Uh, no, there are laws, you do need to follow them, and the laws are quite prescriptive. Thank you so much for all this information and the insight. We we found it very informational. <laughs> yeah. Well, I I appreciate the you reaching out to me. Um, and if you're passionate about democracy, I would say there's probably no better place to work. And that concludes our insightful conversation with Alex Stoner from Elections BC. We hope you gained valuable insights into the complex world of electoral financial matters. If you found today's episode informative, don't forget to share it with your friends and colleagues. Your support means the world to us. Until next time, stay informed, stay engaged, and remember, your voice matters. This is Taryn and Leanne signing off. Hope you enjoyed this episode of Democracy Works. You can hear the entire series on McMaster's podcast hub. If you'd like a job in democracy and elections, you might be interested to know that McMaster has a new CivDem interdisciplinary minor. The CivDem program equips students to work towards strengthening civic and democratic vitality, as well as electoral integrity. Learn more about CivDem and other interdisciplinary minors on the McMaster Intercession website. Thanks for listening.